Three, two, and one. Welcome to another episode of Thirsty Smurfing Thursday. Uh, we had a great time last week. We got we got wild and rowdy, and uh, and we busted chops. We busted balls. We busted ideas, game plans, coordinated efforts, uncoordinated efforts, uh, strategies, and just just if it would. If it, if you went into last week thinking it was going to be a, a four or a five, well, it got it got nine spicy, right? So uh, if you didn't <laughs> check it out, check that out. Uh, this week we're going to do the same thing because we have an extra special guest. We have Dan, the motherfucking lawn man, sir. How the hell are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Excited to be here with you guys. Finally, I have made it here. <laughs> It's an honor and a privilege at the same time, and I appreciate it's, it. It's really not. I can, I can guarantee that. Uh, but I, what, I, what I do hope is that, at least through the course of this, is that we can make as many people unintentionally angry as possible in the, in the nicest of ways, right? I think, there's, I think, that, I think there's, there's power in inciting anger without intent, right? And, uh, and that, <laughs> whatever that is, I have no idea because I completely made that up. But it is what it is. Uh, so normally the way I kick this off is, and for, for those of you that are tuning in for the first time, the way this typically works is that on Thursdays, we'll invite a member of the community to come on. Uh, sometimes it's going to be lawn care professionals. Sometimes it's going to be a turf grass professor. Uh, sometimes it's just going to be a call in show where you call in and we'll, we'll just hang out and shoot the shit and talk, whatever, whatever grass related. And, uh, but on this particular instance here, we have, we have a, um, a, a we'll call him a semi pro. Uh, meaning has the skills of the pro, uh, operates uh, professionally quasi in in that you know he's 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 got some hustles going on and all that fun stuff, and uh, and so this is an opportunity for us. And I and what's interesting about this in this instance is that uh, Dan is coming to us from South Florida, and uh, South Florida is a whole different. Let me talk about how ignorant I am to South Florida. I didn't realize the grass didn't go dormant in South Florida until like three years ago. I had no idea. It might, well, it may have been a little bit longer than that, maybe six years ago. And it, it blew my mind. I was like, you mean it never goes dormant? Oh, yeah, it doesn't freeze down there. I'm like, oh, my Lord, have mercy. Striper Man, you're always welcome here, sir. I want you to know that. I love you, Striper Man. Um, yeah, so it, the, uh, <laughs> so we, we've got, we got South Florida in here. And what I, what I love about this is that, um, I can take the little bits that I know, uh, to make it take the little bits that he knows. And we could take what Ray knows, which is a significant amount because we're talking another, you know, tropical esque, uh, type environment that Ray's very familiar with and, uh, and put all of our heads together and probably still be able to provide uh, some various perspectives on the whole thing. And, uh, and so anyway, talk to us a little bit, Dan, the motherfucking lawn man about one, uh, what, where, where did you come from? How did you end up here Two, uh, why, how, and why grass? All right. So my lawn care journey started as most of us start as a DIYer and as a first time homeowner, the neighbors across the street that used to live for me, they had the nicest lawn on the block. And I probably had one of the crappiest ones. Uh, I wasn't having that. Um, I took to it with the little bit of knowledge that I gained from YouTube. I took to it from the little bit of knowledge that I could get from the extension office and I got to work. 
Uh, little did I know that uh, renovating an entire lawn cost four to six thousand dollars that I didn't sure as hell did not have. So Ooh, I put in the work and I decided to just try to grow it out of nothing. Eventually, that's what happened. Spraying, watering, proper agriculture, and I got the lawn to where it is today. Um, during the COVID period, <clears throat> pre-COVID, I, um, I decided to start a mowing business part-time. Uh, it was just strictly yes, mowing. There was no applicating at the time. <clears throat> and then during COVID, I took it more seriously because my wife was unfortunately furloughed from her job. And we oh, needed shit. that extra cash. Yeah. Um, mm. So um, I picked up the work a little bit more. Uh, one thing turned into another. And uh, later on, I found the applicating side, which the applicating side I found to be a lot more profitable than just mowing. I was a solo operator. So one lawn would take me 45 minutes to an hour to make 40 bucks. Yeah. Versus if I was applicating a lawn, It'll take me 15, 20 minutes to make 60 bucks. Yeah. So my venture started there and uh, decided to get my licenses and uh, work my way into the applicating field. That's that's a, a hell of a journey inward. And it sounds like it it, it actually happened with some pretty good uh, hockey stick trajectory there where you were like, you know what? I actually really like this. Let's yeah. act on it. And uh, and let's see. Let's see how quickly we can capitalize on it. And what I what I loved about it is that you you recognize an immediate opportunity when you're like, okay, I need to generate cash. How am I going to get this in? It's like, okay, I've got the mowing thing. Now I can cross market into this new service that uh, I was able to experiment on for seasons on my property. And and what's what's fascinating, what I know, what other people don't know, is the degree at which you grew in your grass, right? So you. You did not uh, uh, go and buy $4,000 worth of St. Augustine sod and, uh, and sod it in your front yard. No, you took whiffs and tufts of, of random sporadic pieces of grass and turned it into carpet-like environment, right? And, and there's, there's something about that particular process that is, uh, one, insatiably satisfying. I mean, it's like... You chase that high for the rest of your life. It is it is literally chased. Some people have have to choose methamphetamine. Other people have have to grow in grass from absolutely nothing. So this is the after, um, and the uh, and the and the before is just is the one that that really makes you look at this, look at this. Yeah, that's look not what me. you want to walk up to on your. <laughs> you know when you when you're even when you're selling lawn care and you walk up to that, you know. 90% of applicators are going to look at that and say, guess what, sir? You are foobard, foobard. Mm -hmm. So let's talk reality about yeah. why this is going to cost four to $6,000. And, and that's a legitimate conversation to have, right? It takes someone mm -hmm. who is uh, uh, absolutely nuts to walk up to that and you'll be like, hey, hey, listen, I got an idea and I want you to hear me out on this. And it's going to take, it's going to take <laughs> two, three years, but... But if you if you can bear with me and you can you can sign off on a little bit of the bullshit I'm gonna put out here, we're gonna grow this motherfucker into a carpet, right? And and a lot of times they're gonna look at you crazy and they'll be like, I can you just saw it? I'm like, I can, but do you understand what kind of a personal challenge this is? Like, I wanna change your life and it's gonna change my life in the process. So you win, I win, we all win. Uh anyway, yeah. I'm I digress. I'm going way off topic there. But 
I, I, I get it. And I commend you for taking on that kind of challenge because I do understand the psychological effects and the, the, the learning curve that you undergo uh, by, by having to produce such a dramatic transition, right? Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it was about, a rough time. I bet. I bet. What, and, and, and I guess let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, that, that was your starting yard. Uh, what, how, how did you go about tackling it? And, uh, you know, how, how long was it from, from A to B? So from A to B with the wrong advice took me almost seven years, Okay, seven years fighting that long, Yep. uh, growing it from where it was to where it is now. That is before I found out about soil testing that's before I started putting pre-emergence in my yard that I was just constantly fighting weeds. So yep. in these pictures, this is the start. This is all day flower. This is all goose grass. Yeah. There's probably, I don't know, 20% St. Augustine in this whole yard. I was going to say, and it looks like all Asiatic day flower in that, in that picture. You could see it. Look out uh, acro- across it. In the... <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was a battle that I I honestly think I was not going to win. And I was even to the point that I was just going to build a uh, a car ramp or something there because uh-huh. it, it was beginning to be just, I, I thought I was just crazy. <laughs> Everybody said, I'm just crazy. This is, this is not going to work. Um, this video is already me killed off all the weeds in the backyard. And that's pretty much all the St. Augustine that was left back there. Um, but that's, that's later on. I would say that's probably like 2017, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. 2018 in that point. But everything you see there is St. Augustine. And what I did here was since there was so much thatch from all the dead weeds, I brought that St. Augustine down to about one inch, one and a quarter. And I just started with a rake, Dethatching the hell out of everything because every little spot that you see in the, these areas was just dead dead weeds everywhere. There's yeah, yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. of dead St. Augustine in there too because I was just spraying herbicide probably like every three weeks trying to kill everything off. Sure. So so um, so a a seven year adventure that is uh, I admire your dedication. Uh, I don't know many people that would uh, stick with with anything for seven years that that they're not truly passionate about. And I, I think that is also parlays into exactly the passion you have about this. So at what point? Or uh, let, let me let me ask you this: at that time, uh, well, I think you I think you made the point. So uh, what? What was the catalyst for when you were like, oh, shit, this is going exactly how I thought it was going to? Like, when, when did it start improving to the point where, you know, you're, 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 you're calling your old lady in the afternoon. And I'm like, baby, when you get home, you got to look at this yard real quick. It's changing. <laughs> oh, the, the, uh, that, that point started after soil testing. But around that okay. video that JP just put up was when I started saying, you know what? I could fucking do this. There was no weeds left. I'm talking crabgrass up the ass. I'm talking about goosegrass everywhere, date flower everywhere. And all that was pretty much left was St. Augustine. And I told myself, I could do this. Mm -hmm. Um, 
right there again that's when everything's dead pretty much st augustine it's already growing in um that should be probably 2017 18 that point but you can you, already you see, can see the coverage the difference there everywhere yeah oh man yeah. what a game changer that's taken place over the years yeah that 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 right there is what started to motivate me to keep going don't stop the moment i stop i know i'm gonna lose control of this yard because there was still no pre-emergent plant going down so you said soil testing was was a, a, a catalyst for success for you uh let me let me ask this what what did you see on the soil test where you were like oh oh okay absolutely no micros absolutely okay. no soil <laughs> no soil activity no micros uh no phosphorus no potassium there was barely anything at, at that point um there was no um yard mastery soil test or my soil so i didn't know what the nitrogen uh -huh. intake was going down but uh there was no micros there was nothing when i started to utilize magnesium manganese uh iron and i started to put all these down to the optimal levels and i started soil testing after that to make sure things are working things started looking a whole lot better and this is also prior ph i i still didn't an analyze or understand ph to be honest i sure, just focused sure. on everything else okay and, so um, the, the 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 micros were the game changer and then i'm gonna i'm gonna start i'm gonna dig into you here ray let me ask this so we're south florida i'm assuming you're high ph yeah, my pH is currently, I think, seven point eight. Okay, so so typical uh, South Florida high pH, uh, sandy sandy ass soil. Um, why why are we seeing the the type of of growth and uh, uh, quality response out of the micronutrients in that particular instance? Because I know there's going to be other people out there that may have like. Kentucky bluegrass in the middle of May uh, in in uh, the, the northern Midwest, and they have a pH of 7.7, .7 and they applied micronutrients, and they're not seeing the same kind of response, right? And they're, they're like, I don't get it. It worked for him. Why isn't it working for me? I'm doing the same damn thing. And But obviously, this is not an apples-to-apples -apples comparison, right? Because, because literally, the only thing Kentucky bluegrass has to do to look good in May is show up. And and heaven forbid a little rainfall, because <laughs> God Almighty, it's going to be gorgeous, right? Even at a, at a pH of seven point seven in the in the real earthy soils of the Midwest, but we're talking about the sands of South Florida. Why is it responding like it is? It is because your South Florida sand is basically almost like beach sand, Matt, and it is essentially a blank slate regarding nutrients, right? It's a blank slate. And so it is on you to supply whatever the grass needs in reasonable amounts to get the grass to grow. And in the case of sand, a limited nutrient can even become magnesium. Because I know something about 
sand in beachfront communities in that you know what that sand is derived from matt huh it is derived from all coral and seashells okay it, it's just like uh our man dan here is living the beachfront life and there's nothing wrong with living the beachfront life except when you have that condition just like Dan said, magnesium, manganese, zinc, copper, iron, sulfur, those all become key nutrients. And the deal with that is because you have mostly beach sand, throwing it down heavy is foolish. It's unnecessary. It doesn't work. And the reason why it's unnecessary is because sand is a fantastic growing media. You always you always hear me talk about how my favorite thing to grow grass on is pure sand. And do you know why I like to grow grass on pure sand? It is because I can apply whatever the grass needs and get a fairly predictable response. Whereas when I'm working on a soil that has more silt and clay in it, I then have to question, if I apply X amount of nutrient to the soil or to the, or to the lawn, now then how much of that nutrient is the clay and the silt going to sequester, bind to, and take away from the grass versus how much is going to be actually up, you know, uptake by the grass. How much? I mean, it's almost like uh, I'm constantly guessing, whereas if I do it on sand, I ain't guessing. Yeah, you kind of, I mean, you, you kind of, you, you short, you shortcut it, right? It's, and, and, you know, we've talked about this before, and I'll repeat it, especially for the new people, is that growing on pure sand like that gives you, the ultimate level of control, right? Because the, the, your 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 soil is no longer the uh, uh, the all holding delivery mechanism uh, that 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 native soil sometimes can provide, right? Because there's a lot of times native soil is going to have enough of just shit in it that you don't even really have to think about all that, right? However, in sand, it's a completely totally different ball game, right? That's why in uh, in uh, uh, greenhouse trials that are grown in sand. They have to use like Hoag solution to get things started. So that way you deliver MPK, uh, uh, the, the rest of your macros and all of your micros, you know, and that's why you see things like calcium nitrate in it and magnesium nitrate in it, because even you got to get down to that nitty gritty and there's no one likely in the United States of America that is going to have to supplement with, uh, uh, uh calcium and, and magnesium for the purpose of supplying nutrition. It's very, very rare. Very, very, very rare. You're not going to see critically deficient <laughs> levels of that. Uh, but in this particular instance with sand, you are. Demay, I know you have a lot ex of experience of growing grass on sand too. Um, is this, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak, speak a little more broadly here, that with, uh, with, the, with the Florida boys growing on sand in general, do you think, as a general blanket statement, should micronutrients be a part of a program, yes or no, proactively? Say, say you don't even have a soil test and you're, you're looking to apply something. 
do you think that should necessarily be be kicked off with or are you the mindset that uh let's let's start one at a time let's go nitrogen first and then and then from there we'll add micronutrients to see what kind of response we get that's tough. I'd say in a high pH. That's a situation, fucking real broad question. I know. I'm sorry. It's a. It's a. Yeah. It, 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 it's a broad <laughs> question. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We just the 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 tray of pills came out the party, and I just grabbed one of everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, we I have black ones it. over there. My fault. Well, yeah. Yeah. How about a black one? Um. So I would say that yeah, <laughs> in general terms, right? Broad statements. Uh, I, I think you're okay to do that. Uh, you know, some would say, Hey, you don't know if it's working this, that, and the other thing in my experience, right. It, you know, you're trying to induce a plant response. You are not what Ray will tell you is, uh, you know, soil loading, right. We talk a lot about that with, yeah. with different people over the years in certain parts of the country. And you just simply cannot do that. It is a vastly different way. You know, so anybody that's in the Midwest, uh, you know, that part of the country for the most part, it's a completely different mindset of, of how you're approaching fertility and, um, you know how you're how you're really trying to drive plant response. You're not necessarily like building the soil and all this. Like that's that's not a thing at that point. You know, you're uh, every bit of uh, hydroponics except for you've got the degree of difficulty turned up because it's in soil, it's in the ground. There's only so much you can do to manipulate it, and you know, typically you're in a situation with high pH in in most cases with sand, right? So uh, all that being said. I would throw those in there. I'd have no qualms about it just because we know or now, you know, it's called into question by this University of Wisconsin soil lab paper. Who knows? But you know what? I've seen uh, more than my fair share of response with, uh, you know, lower and more frequent rates of micros on a particular uh, grass and sand, right? So whether it's bluegrass and sand, whether it's pet grass on sand, never grown sand og or uh, never grown sand og in, in sand, Bermuda, yes. But so I would just say it's okay to do it, um, and I would just stick with that and uh, and end and just see what happens, right? You know, the P and K you're gonna have to be careful with. I think that's something else too. It's a good uh, segue, not necessarily segue, but uh, Ray, let me ask you this: is yeah. in a sand yes. situation. You will, and especially high pH and, you know, uh, rainy climate like Dan's in for part of the year, right? You will always, mm -hmm. always, always be chasing this mythical uh, potassium number that you'll never, ever, ever hit, right? So are you, uh -huh. a, are you a fan of, uh, like, say, potassium acetate, right, as a foliar potassium source in lieu of saying, well, yeah, I'm just going to apply fucking a gajillion pounds of, you know, um, K2O through, you know, you know, zero, uh, zero 050 or something like that. And, and hope that, uh, we get enough in the soil and the rest is just going to leach out and, you know, go down to mother earth, you know, right into the molten core, I do, Ray. I, I do neither. I do neither because potassium acetate is an extremely costly supplement. Uh, when I'm dealing with grass in these kind of situations where, it is nutritionally devoid. That is the very exact reason why I go straight to the greenhouse grade water soluble 202020 plus a chelated micronutrient package. It's all in one, it's simple, and you know, you're only using or applying 
eight to to sixteen ounces of this material per thousand square foot of turf grass. I'm not yes, talking and, about and applying a lot, a lot of material. I'm not. And, let, and, let, <laughs> and let's talk about that, right? So the you, when you when you're growing on sand, and that and that this is this is one of those instances. You uh, and you know, I think with. Um, uh, uh, with Cam, you know, we've, we've talked about CEC a lot, right? And, and, mm-hmm. and CEC is one of those mythical numbers that you kind of look at and you're like, man, what, what is it? Is it clay? Is it sand? What did you have? And I, and I, and I'll say this too, <laughs> right, right or wrong. One way to think about it is the, uh, the, is my soil, does my soil have a potential to load? Right? Like, when we talk about load, right, I'm talking about soil loading. So when I say like, oh, in one application, I can put down a year's worth of potential Stop. potassium usage, right? Or a year's mm-hmm. worth of, of potential phosphorus, you know, as, as required by the, by the plant based on the amount of N I'm going to apply, right? So that's what I'm saying. That in, but in, in this particular sand, sand, we know we're going to be really low CEC. And now all of a sudden, you, when you see that number, it should click into your brain, the potential for you to be able to soil load in that instance diminishes basically to nil, right? Now, as you, as you get into professional turf, there's some, uh, uh, you, you, you've got to make some sacrifices, but we'll talk about it in like the, the purest context right now. So basically that says that you're going to be limited that when you hear the term spoon feeding, this would be an ideal situation for spoon feeding, right? And, and so Ray, mm-hmm. when you talk about applying a 2020, 20, some people are going to see that number and their fucking heads are going to pop off their neck, right? Like, yeah, it's too much phosphorus. It's too much potassium, but fuck, but fuck off. What, 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 what <laughs> exactly like you said, the, the poison is in the rate, right? You, you know, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're eating, uh, 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 uh almonds and end up uh, getting just a, a, a hair of cyanide in you, well, it's from a handful of almonds. It's probably not going to kill you. However, if you're snorting uh, potassium cyanide in the bathroom, then you're going to die, right? So Yeah, you're gone. Is, <laughs> this, yeah, this is one of those instances where you're talking about, in a spoon-feeding situation, 8 to 16 ounces. And we're talking about a half pound to a pound of, of material applied across 1,000 square feet. So when you start looking at the actual pounds of NP and K that are going down in that situation, we're talking about a tenth of a pound, two tenths of a pound going down across a thousand square feet. So your potential for runoff in that situation diminishes significantly, even though it's a high N number, high P number, high K number, mm-hmm. the potential for off target loss drops so much because you're applying actually just a very targeted amount of material in a targeted way as well. Go ahead, Ray. Matt? Uh, I've read various reports that have said that grass is capable of utilizing 0.05 pounds of nitrogen per week. All right. And so, like, say I had, uh, Mr. Dan the Lawnman's, uh, St. Augustine that was starved, nutritionally depleted. And now I'm under pressure to grow that son of a gun in. Do you know what I'd be doing to it? Every two weeks, I'd be coming back with eight ounces of that 
111 plus micronutrients in water, I'd spray it on and I would not water it. And I would also time those applications for periods where there's no rain. Because, Matt, there's another factor to think about when you have mostly sandy soil. And that is, in addition to runoff, we got to think about the high water table and leaching. In other words, you're right. You're right. Okay, because because one of the big issues that I'm familiar with in Florida is nitrate and phosphate contamination of the groundwater itself. And this is probably caused by these fucktards that are soil loading their lawns, even though their lawn is growing on pure sand. Okay? It's on growing on pure sand, but then they're saying, throw her down. You know, that just bugs me out. And the fortunate thing is, is that in most cases, Florida is not so extremists whereby they see that part per million of nitrates in the water and they said, okay, heck this, we're shutting it all down. No more fertilizer in the state of Florida. You're lucky that Florida is not like that. But my whole point is, is that leaching means that you have literally applied more nutrients to your grass area than what the grass can utilize. And because you're on sand, doing that is basically lost materials, lost time. Uh, what I always say, Matt, IPM, IP materials. I pay, I pay materials. And, and why, why yeah. pay to, to let it leach into your groundwater? Gray, I don't think it's any secret that I am a, uh, a granular uh, SLUT. And, um, uh, and it's, and it's hard for me to recommend anything other than, than granular, especially from a commercial lawn care perspective, just because I think about the number of, of, of visits in a, in a volume type, type situation, visits per year per growing season, right? So but, I'm going to yeah. ask you to sell me, sell me mm-hmm. on a liquid program in a 10 visit package that would be applicable in a South Florida situation like this. Explain to me what the fertility looks like and, and some potential rates in there. Like if you were just going to run soluble triple 20 as your, as your primary fertilizer in a 10 app program, what, what would it look like? Sell me on that. Okay. And I can, I can speak to that because what I would then do is be applying two tenths of a pound of NP and K respectively as a baseline and on turf grass that needs more nitrogen, like say I'm working on somebody's common Bermuda or hybrid Bermuda, I would augment that nitrogen with say another tenth to two tenths of a pound of N from something like Umax. So in other words, I'm at the sprayer blending that 111 plus Umax to make sure that I'm supplying enough nitrogen. And the other thing that I would be doing for every application during that 10-round process would be additional chelated micronutrients because, uh, you know, when you're working with something like my favorite Peter's 2020-20, 
they are supplying enough micronutrients, presuming that the... Oh, you know what? Have you ever seen the specifications for blending a soilless growing media, which is what Peter's Triple 20 is actually intended for? Have you guys ever seen the specs for that? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, no. let me explain. Let me explain to you because you know I have friends in the nursery business as well, and so what they specify is fritted or powderized micronutrients to be blended into that peat or bark-based uh, growing media, and then mm-hmm. they also specify a load of polycoat slow release. N, P, and K to also be blended into that, you know, potting mix or soil. And then on top of that, after you've done all of that, then the plants get constant fed with the Peter's Triple 20 being injected through the irrigation system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but then my whole point is, is that the Triple 20 is utilized on top of a base of micronutrients because that micronutrient mix is basically derived from iron sulfate, copper sulfate, zinc sulfate, manganese sulfate, etc. all in a powder that gets thrown into the uh, soil media mixer and it tumbles along and then out comes your potting mix. But then in the ca- in the case of this 7.8 pH South Florida sand, which is very similar to my soils here in Honolulu, Hawaii at sea level, I got to make sure that my turf grass is getting sufficient available micronutrients. It, so you darn well better believe it that I look at the soluble balanced micronutrient packages that are intended for use on agricultural crops and golf turf. And in the case of us, you know, where we're, we're dealing with nothing or starting at nothing, the big mistake to make would be to think, let me go ham on just iron. Okay. That's a huge mistake. And you know why that's a huge mistake? Because there's a lot more in need than just iron. Yeah, we're not talking about these people in Iowa or Illinois where their soil is already pretty, you know, complete and you're bumping it with some iron to turn the grass blue. We're talking about a situation where the media has nothing, mm. absolutely, totally nothing. I mean, it is on you to supply, okay? You, you don't uh, walk into this and say, oh, I'm going to run N only. I'm going to shoot iron to get it greener and then call it a day because, in fact, what typically happens to the guys that try to do a program like that where they're pushing nitrogen 
and giving the law an iron is in time the turf literally deteriorates and declines right before their eyes they kill the lawn well, okay. all right, let me, yeah. let me, uh, and let I me. can attest to, to something real quick here. So yeah. in the beginning, I actually only utilized, and you can see there was about a, a three-year span in my lawn of just urea, uh, nitrogen, 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 because that's <laughs> all anybody ever talked about, nitrogen, nitrogen, but I got no <laughs> response. I got a little bit, but after I did a soil test, after I optimized my Macro, uh, micronutrients. I focused on 10, 10, 10 in spring and fall. And then in between, I focused with urea. And I don't know if Jake Pink could put up um, a video here after, I think it was, I think it's uh, 2018, Jake Pink, there's a video. This is the response that I got uh, I, I don't from the any, I don't have any folder for 2018. I got 2019. And then I got 2017, but no 2018. Uh, try 17. I think there's a video in that one, or it's probably 19. There should be a video that the grass is... This is 2017. No, that... Yeah, that's 2017. That's before I even put in-ground sprinklers on. I was just watering like that. This no, that's... So that's... That's that's just nitrogen. That right there is just okay. nitrogen still working on soil uh micros um there should be one more video or maybe it's a it's a picture that's still working on it mm -hmm. there it is this is the okay. response that i got from 10 10 10 after i have focused all my energy and time on micros and uh applying urea in between then then what i gotta tell you about your grass prior to you starting the one 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 is to my eyes your grass looked purple and yellow. Okay? Your grass looked purple and yellow. It was not healthy green like this. And yep. you know that purple and, 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 and yellow look? That is something that I look for very specifically when I'm looking at somebody's turf grass because do you know what purple and yellow means to me? No phosphorus. Some macros. Yep. No, no phosphorus. And mm -hmm. phosphorus is the building block for the tissues themselves. In the grass, in other words, you don't have phosphorus, you don't get growth. Okay? You don't get growth, you don't get yep. development. And so that can be in spite of you hitting that nitrogen hard. That can be in spite of you hitting that nitrogen hard. It, you can put all the nitrogen you want, but then because it's not a balanced diet, you're not going to get that growth and that fill in because as i told you then if i came into a lawn like yours in that condition and somebody told me i cannot afford to sprig or or resod this whole thing but 
can you take care of it and grow it back? And I, what I would be doing is I would literally start the 111 and the micronutrients mm-hmm. and just grow the grass back. I would, I would, that's all I would do is just grow the grass back. And Ray, I'm going to yep. I'm going to throw a curveball at you here because mm-hmm. uh, I believe as of 2021, Miami-Dade County is now now has the uh, May 15th to October 31st fertilizer ban. So mm-hmm. we've got we've got um, uh, we'll say 10, 10 applications. Do you think it is feasible to get a month of color response out of uh, out of the the sprayable triple twenty that you recommended there, especially with a little bump of uh, of UMAX in it? Thirty days sound sound okay. good to you? Four week interval. Thirty days, uh, four week interval. Yep, it would sound good to me. Yeah. And All right. now I would have now I would have. Wait a minute, I would have no issues okay. with not feeding it between. May through October, because do you know why, Matt? I know what happens in South Florida between May through October. All the damn of rain. rain. It doesn't stop fucking raining. Exactly. <laughs> and so, instead, what I'd be throwing down during the rainy months would be prilled sulfur. Aha. Oh, wow. I would be... I would be I would be going to war on the pH during the rainy months. Uh-huh. Okay, because now we're cooking that, with gas. Yeah, because in that time, I would take advantage of the fact that bloody hell, Matt, it can rain a couple inches per day every day. I know about that. I know exactly about that. And if it's going to be like that, there's no sense in throwing down in or P or K because it'll all leach. But at the same time, any time I've thrown thrown down prilled sulfur mat, I've had to worry about watering the heck out of that area so that the sulfur doesn't start eroding through the grass itself. So sulfur is not something that I want to see applied when there's either no rain at all or somebody doesn't have very good irrigation because when you start messing around with Tiger Soul 90 or Yellowstone, you better have good irrigation because if you don't have good irrigation, bye-bye grass, you know, bye. And the other thing that I know about these restrictions in florida is that they do not prohibit application of micronutrients Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay and so if you're spraying but the law or the rule on these micronutrient products is that there must not be any nitrogen attached to those micronutrients. So we can't use feature. We can't use uh, Simplot Rapture. That's all prohibited because those products contain ammonium sulfate. And that's prohibited during the fertilizer ban period. So 
what I would literally be doing to the grass is I would be applying the more agricultural chelated micronutrients that are not attached to nitrogen. Their analysis is zero, zero, zero. And I would attempt to maintain the turf on micronutrients from May through October. However, here's the thing, is that in actual practice, Dan, I know that in October, it can still be warm, right? In, in South Florida. Oh, yeah. Still Most warm. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. That's, that's one, one feeding. However, November, does it get, start to get cool? Or is it still warm? No. Uh, still warm until probably the end of December. Okay. So, October, November. And by warm, what I mean is we'll still be in the 85s. 80, 85s. It, it's dropping, okay. but we'll still be in the 85s. Okay. That, that's just like Honolulu, Hawaii. I, I, I'm asking because... What I know about St. Augustine is that the no-grow temperature for St. Augustine is when daytime temperatures are below 70. So that would be your January and February, right? And then, so you're talking about fertilizer, you know, October, November, December, None in January, none in February, start again in March, feed up until May. May. And then and then no more no more micronutrient I mean no, nothing but micronutrients between May through October. Plus whatever else Correct. you happen to need to apply to the turf grass, because over the years, I've had conversations with Florida lawn care operators. So I kind of understand what's going on over there. And yep. this is why I'm aware of that. And I'm, this is why I also know that the only thing that can be applied to improve color on St. Augustine during that rainy period, if you even need it, is micronutrients. But your biggest value for, for money would be derived from working on the pH. You would, you would get more done throwing down sulfur at five pounds per thousand from May through till October. Okay. You know, you'd get more done and you'd, you'd profit more from that because sulfur, we talk about sulfur for pH, but to me, sulfur is yet another essential macronutrient. Because sulfur is literally a building block for 
the grass leaves, the grass stolons, the grass stems, and the grass roots. Because sulfur is the base by which grasses and plants synthesize their proteins. So if you don't have so if you don't have sulfur, you're missing things, and that's kind of why. What, what was your your nitrogen source when you were just experimenting and trying in those early years, and you didn't get a lot of good results? What was your nitrogen source back then? Um, urea from um, God, I don't remember the name of it. I don't utilize it anymore, but it was it was just straight urea. It was like a twenty five o o. It was like a twenty five o. It was like kind of like one of those products sold to consumers where there's urea plus an inert filler. I, I'm familiar with those products, but you see, my issue or my problem with urea is that urea is literally just nitrogen. There's no sulfur in it. There's nothing else in it. And so I also know something about most of these high sand soils is that they have a specific issue with being sulfur deficient as well. That's a problem. That is true. And so if you have that issue you basically are short all of the blocks that you need because to me when when dealing with turf grass then i actually place extremely low importance on nitrogen yeah i'm opposite in that i don't emphasize nitrogen i want to make sure that my sulfur Calcium, magnesium, and then the metallic micronutrients and my potassium and phosphorus are all in order. First, I do not take presence and abundance of those elements for granted because I am not yep. dealing with Midwestern I, soil. I this year. That's actually something I focused on a lot this year. Uh, I did not apply nitrogen since like last December, and I've had no mm -hmm. issues with the lawn fading away in color or uh, lacking any color until probably two weeks ago. And I gave it a bump <laughs> of nitrogen, and it's right back at it. It's it's, it's not going to give it all away, but it's it's the most beautifulest thing I've ever seen. I feel right back in love with my lawn. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Okay, I mean, uh, that's, that's just uh, why when, you know, people ask me, what should I fertilize my lawn with? I, okay, I never assume that they have wonderful Midwest soil that is rich in everything and all they need is nitrogen. I never assume because assumption is the mother of all screw-ups. Okay? <laughs> and so, in the case of you, when you got your soil test, everything was low, wasn't it? 
everything was very low. Yep. yep. And everything was low. And now everything's nice and optimal. And the only thing I lack is nitrogen. And okay. Now, now. Here's how I, yeah, here's how I view nitrogen, Dan. I view nitrogen as a tool to regulate growth. Mm. That's that's how I actually view nitrogen. All right, it is a tool to regulate growth. To me, nitrogen is not about making grass greener. It is about how fast do I want this grass to grow? How much biomass do I want this turf grass to generate? All of my color and density, etc. That comes from all the other elements, not nitrogen. Whereas your typical lawn person has it the other way around where the nitrogen is the dual, be-all, end-all. However, that works for them provided they're working on a soil that has everything that the grass could possibly need. And when I say everything, I look at all of the elements in a sufficient balance, all of the elements, because I still remember having a conversation with the uh, my representative from ICL, Matt. Mm-hmm. You know ICL? Oh yeah. And we we were at a we were at a at a seminar once, and then he quizzed the audience, and he asked them, "Okay, guys." What is calcium and magnesium? Everybody got it wrong because he answered, no, no, it is a macronutrient. Calcium and magnesium are macronutrients needed in high quantities. And fun fact now, Dan, magnesium is literally the center element that chlorophyll in the grass is built around because you know you know your molecule of chlorophyll has magnesium in the middle of it and all of the carbon and hydrogen and oxygen rings form around that cl- around that center of magnesium so if you're dealing with a soil that has almost no magnesium in it. Or if you're dealing with a soil that has a disproportionate and excessive amount of calcium in it, you are likely to see magnesium issues because the magnesium is competed with for uptake by calcium. So... You basically are looking at a situation where if you want your grass to grow, you need to make sure that you have everything supplied to it at the right times. And I know we had a talk uh, off air about not putting down nitrogen or other fertilizers on the turf grass between January and February because 
That's your non-growth period, just like how it's my non-growth period here in Honolulu as well. My grass don't fucking grow right now. Yep. So yep. why are you why would somebody be throwing down stuff on it? Why? <laughs> yep. That's why my, my first round of fertilizer was actually what we're going into seven days now. So it was seven days ago. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> nothing nothing between nothing between December and seven days ago. Just water and awesome. Mow. Water and mow and, and and keep your eye out on it. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, talk to me. Now now that you are moving into uh your uh your side hustle and getting and getting excited about that, what what are you planning right now? I'm I'm sure I'm sure you have questions about what what you want to do and all that fun stuff. Go ahead and start laying those out there. Yeah, well, one primary question is I really want to try out AMS. Yeah. However, I know that the heat plays a factor. I know that there's going to be a uh, blackout period now. So when would you suggest and is there a temperature restriction for it? The clients that I currently work with, I cannot trust them to put down water when I tell them to put down water. They just have it automatic and they'll just, you know, if it waters in three days, it waters in three days. Um, with AMS, I know it's a little bit more foliar. Leave it on for a little bit, then water it in. What would you suggest to get the best benefit out of that? And also with the Miami heat that we have here, how long could I let it sit for, if any? Okay. Dan? I got to kind of uh, advise you accordingly in that I have no issues with AMS on turf grass at likewise an 8 ounce per thousand square foot rate in a minimum of one gallon per thousand square foot. However, Please think very hard about applying nitrogen and isolation in your situation. Please think very hard about it. Especially if you are dealing with lawn situations where that lawn needs to grow in. Or if you run into the situation where do you deal with some lawns that you do not mow? Yes. Okay. But I'm going to advise you on the lawns that that you do not mow personally, be extremely, and I repeat, extremely conscientious about supplying nutrients to those lawns, especially if somebody else cuts that grass and they are collecting clippings. I mean, you've heard my rants yep. about collecting clippings on warm season grass. And yep. the reason and why I have a, a client that's like that, and I've already sat down and talked to him, but he just likes the cleaner look. Okay. And you know what? The deal with the people that want the quote unquote cleaner look is those people then get to pay a premium for their fertilizer program and do you know why why 
every time they fill up the grass catcher, they are taking away what you are putting down nutrient-wise, maybe even faster than you can put it down. Gotcha. Because gotcha. I'm, I'm already seeing a scenario that I'm familiar with in that prior to 2013, I never mowed anyone else's lawn other than my own lawn at home. Never. And I could literally see the grass decline in color, vigor, and quality within 45 days of its last nutrient application. All right? I could literally see it. And the reason why I could see it is because my clients had mowing services that picked up all the clippings. Yep. The lawn was clean, but the lawn was damn near fucking dead. Yeah, I so, can see that. I get what you're going with that. And so... And, 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 and it's actually a, a case that happens, because if I apply something to it, I could see two months later the grass declining in color when it should last a little bit longer. More, longer. and But then when somebody is on this clipping collection program, then... My God, uh, you know that 0.1 pound of N application rate? That's out the window. I'm now thinking about 0.2 to 0.3 pounds of N, P, and K, respectively, if somebody so chooses to collect their clippings. Because it is incredible how much P and K is recycled when you let the clippings mulch back in. It's incredible. So, yeah, it's, uh, and, and you know what? I foresee a situation where you're in this May through October blackout period, fertilizer blackout period, mm -hmm. and May and June, that lawn is okay. July, August, September, October, that lawn is going to be shit. It's going to be absolute shit. And there is nothing you can do about it because I also know the other facet of these fertilizer rules in that Ordinarily, the smartass in me, if I were faced with a fertilizer blackout, Matt, do you know what I do to the lawn that's under that kind of a fertilizer blackout? Hmm. I'd be bad. I would throw down <laughs> three pounds of N from 180-day Osmocoat. <laughs> okay? But that type of an application is prohibited by the Florida fertilizer regulations. 
And for those also... who don't know, Osmocote is a uh, it is a a slow release fertilizer that has a a multi layer coating, uh, primarily consisting of a uh, of a wax like uh, material, and uh, and it is probably as close as you can get to a true hundred and eighty day drip release. Uh, and, and let me tell you, it takes a long time to come on and it takes a long time for it to go away too. So, um, it, it is, uh, that's, that's some real deal nursery shit there. Like that's yeah, 99% yeah. of its use is going to be, is going to be nursery. And so it, that's right. why it's funny to hear Ray say, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but then that is, uh, that is the, the, how, you would otherwise have to deal with the set of circumstances that you're faced with. And the unfortunate thing is that I know that regulations cap your actual amount of N applied per application at 0.7 pounds. So, and 0.7 pounds of N from Osmocote over may through october that ain't shit that's not that's not applying anything don't bother don't bother because typically you know when i'm working with a prolonged release material like that matt do you know how i calculate it how's that my desired pounds of in per month multiplied by the number of months that granule is supposed to release sure <laughs> i mean in in like look there's when when i'm going to put this into perspective too like oh three pounds in it sounds nuts right hang on it's not uh and, and let me let me let me give you another example for instance like uh for people that talk about like the old one and done fertilizers or applying nitroform you're literally applying three, four pounds of N in a single application because that's your in demand for the entire season that you're applying in a single application, right? So you can go out and apply a pound of N, but if that's going to be the only end you apply, you got to think that's going to be a pound over the course of what, six months? Is that mm-hmm. what your nitrogen demand is going to be for six months? Hell no. So this is another thing that I think is actually a good point is that just because the label gives you a rate, right? Like, for instance, if you if you look at a bag of of one and done, and it's and it, and you start doing the math, and you're like, huh, that's one point seven pounds of in on a hundred and eighty day <laughs> fertilizer, and you know your demand is going to be three pounds over that same given time period. <laughs> you're going to be like, well, I'm going to have to take this and crunch it up into a ball and throw it away. And liquid fertilizers are infinitely worse than this, right? Where they'll be like, I have the cheapest nitrogen because my rate is only four ounces per thousand square feet. (laughs) Okay. It doesn't fucking matter if your rate is four ounces per thousand square feet. If you need two tenths of a pound of N, you have to apply the rate to deliver two tenths of a pound of N. It's not a matter of comparing uh, uh, rate per rate price. It's a matter of applying actual pounds of material versus pounds of material price, right? So don't get sucked into just the label rates. You actually have to know how much material you need to go down in terms of 
nutrient value and then equate that to the dollar, the corresponding dollar amount, and then compare those two numbers. Again, I get so fucking frustrated when people are like, oh, I apply liquid because it's cheaper. It's cheaper because I'm only putting down uh, uh, the the label's only five ounces per thousand square feet, and this granular guy's applying a twenty four uh, uh, oo at uh, at at three pounds per thousand, and uh, and like okay, well, if you that, so that's going to be point seven two pounds of in from the granular. Now let's calculate how many how many ounces per thousand you have to apply to get down uh, three quarters of a pound of in from your liquid, and then you're going to be Matt? shocked at the cost of the price. And one more thing, Ray, and I'll let you go, but here, here's the other thing to keep in, in the back of your mind. 99% of liquid fertilizers start as dry material that is dissolved in water. <laughs> Most of the things you're going to see. So is it cheaper to just sell you the dry material or is it cheaper to dissolve it in water first and then sell it to you after it's been dissolved and then packaged? It, it's and mark up easy 80%. to calculate there. It, yes. Okay. Because the label says only five ounces, Demay. Did you not read yeah. the label? It says five ounces. <laughs> and per acre. I remember. No, I remember starting in 2007, catching all kinds of hell from the lawn guys. And you know why I would catch hell from them, Matt? Because I was out there melting down my urea, my triple 20, my potassium nitrate, and then forgetting my end longevity, I used to have access to Coron. And Coron was 2800 urea liquid. <laughs> Still get it. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I've sprayed tons and tons of Coron. It's no longer available in Hawaii for whatever reason. Damn. Yeah. You guys are no fucking fun out there, dude. I know. This this place sucks. Start with me, Jay Pink. I'm having a battery issue. uh, I think we got to put a a fund out for uh, Ray to get him out here. (laughs) Yeah, he couldn't. The, he wouldn't go to Florida. Florida. I'll tell you that. I think he wants to experience four seasons. Yeah, actually, no, no, that's fine. But get him out of there already. Because what I'm going to tell you, Dan, is that specifically when you deal with people that collect clippings, you got to get in their face about what the consequences are of that decision. You got to lay it out for them because everyone I work for, I tell them I don't pick up cuttings. Okay. I don't do it. And the reason why I don't pick up clippings is because you are the very same motherfucker. That's going to be on my ass when your lawn is not green. And is that, is that the terms and conditions on the quote that you issue the customer? I really would. I would love to see that. If you're a dumb yeah. motherfucker, all of this doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And I am because, the decider of who is a dumb motherfucker. Because <laughs> what people eventually learn is do things my way. 
cycle the clippings back into the into the lawn and then they realize over time my god how come everybody else's lawn is fried and my lawn is the only one that's green and yet you're applying such light rates of materials to it how do you do it and i say it's because i'm not here every week or every two weeks picking up every last fucking grass clipping okay that's why. I mean, that's just that's just it. Because, as I said, uh, the lawns that I maintain stand out because, in spite of how rigidly I control the irrigation and the nutrients, those lawns are not brown. Okay, they're not browned out or burned out. No way. <laughs> they're green. <laughs> but it's because I don't pick up clippings. Yep. Well, luckily I only have one guy to deal with about that, but uh, still, it's one. It's one, and that one guy is, as I said, what's probably going to happen is that he's going to be okay until maybe July or August then, and then you're going to get questions about why the lawn is not green. You're going to get the question. And then we'll fight them. What else? <laughs> well, I think the AMS question still stands. Yeah. Oh, I don't uh, have any questions. Still... I don't have any. I don't have any worries using it. I mean, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I understand that you're. you're I have no issues. It. Yeah, I have no special issues with it because uh, as long as uh, you know you're applying reasonable rates, temperature is not an issue. Okay, yeah. temperature's okay. not an issue with with the AMS. I mean, a tenth of because... a pound, two tenths of a pound, shit, even a, a third of a pound, and you're using. Uh, if you if you're doing granular, you sure as shit don't have anything to worry about. Um, if you're if you're doing liquid, uh, if you're doing granular at two three pounds a thousand square feet, that's going to be what four tenths, six tenths of a pound. You're you're fine. Yeah, it, you know, that's applying not much. That's not much. Yeah. Uh, if you're doing liquid at like two gallons of carrier volume per thousand, uh, at at two tenths of a pound, no problem at all. If you're if you're it's doing excellent. a one gallon, <laughs> then I would probably stick to like a tenth of a pound. You could get away with two tenths of a pound, but just to be extra, like, oh, I'm the safest. Careful. Ain't no mistakes ever gonna happen here. A tenth of a pound. So we're talking about a half pound per thousand square feet dissolved in water. In a gallon, uh, that's going to cover a thousand square feet. So, uh, easy, easy math that, there. Half pound dissolved in a gallon. That gallon covers a thousand square feet. That's a tenth of a pound. You're you're super good there. Nothing to worry about. Yeah, no no issues. Okay. And the other thing just, about tr- just try it. it, it like literally, t- take it, pick you a spot, and uh, and if you if you want to sample a product and just see what it does, pick a section of your yard. And put a box down, like, you know, open, flatten a box, right? And lay it down and just spray, spray a section, including spraying over the top of that box, right? Let it sit. And uh, how long do you have to let it sit before you water in? You're in Florida. I mean, like pretty much when you finish the lawn, you're going to be safe to water it in. It's going to be dry, right? Like it's, you know, I'm not worried about that. If you, if you want to let it sit for three hours and then water it in, great. That's awesome too. 
uh, you, you, if you, if you want to let it sit for six hours and water it in, you're not going to have any problems doing that either. But so you do, right? You, you spray, you have that box down, uh, it gets watered in, you give it 24, 48 hours a week, two weeks, and then watch the progression of the grass that did not get sprayed, uh, under the box, you know, of course, remove the box after you spray, but look at the progression of the grass around the area that was, uh, uh, contained by the box. And that will give you a nice real easy visualization of what exactly it did as a nitrogen only product, at least in your lawn. Right. And then you can start to extrapolate out from there. You know, maybe you pick a front yard of a client to do it to, Right. And then, you know, you, and and maybe use it as an, in addition to right where you're using, we'll say you're going to apply a pound of triple 20. Well, dissolve uh, another, another half pound of ammonium sulfate in that same tank and, and spray it. And then go to tone it. Yeah. And wa- watch what happens and just I, get I, your feet, feet wet with it. And it's cheap enough that if you buy a 50 pound bag and you're only applying a half pound per thousand square feet, we'll say a 50 pound bag even costs you $40. It's not, but it, say it costs you $40. Um, then, you know, that, that 50 pound bag is going to treat a hundred thousand square feet. So you're going to get two and a half acres out of that 50 pound bag. I mean, for, 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 50 bucks for two and a half acres, I guess, you know, 20, 20, $17 an acre, $16 an acre. You can't, that's great. That's perfect. It gets, it gets worse than that because remember now, you know, the, uh, soluble spray grade AMS that they sell to farmers to tank mix with their glyphosate. Mm-hmm. That stuff ain't expensive. Like I, I hear from the guys that, they walk into a tractor supply or something and come out with a bag of spray grade AMS at like, what is that? $25 a bag? <laughs> are you yeah. kidding me? 25 yeah. bucks a bag? Are, are, you, are you serious? Because you want to talk about a, an inexpensive but effective nitrogen source for your specific situation. You know, you, you talk about a very economical thing. And even for me, where anything that comes in a two and a half gallon jug or, or 55 gallon drum mat, I pay like hell for it, right? I pay big money for something that already has the water added to it versus, okay, I walk into my Simplot or my Nutrien and ask for AMS, you know, 50 pounds. Yeah. because you know why I ain't paying for water. Okay. I ain't paying for the water. (laughs) You you know, I see, I see comments in here and one of them, I just, I have to address Uh, Scott. This says, what's the frequency of AMS apps. I was thinking about a half pound every, every two to three weeks to push down pH. No, 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 no. Apply AMS based on the growth needs of your grass. What your nitrogen requirements are of the grass. Do not apply ammonium sulfate to push down pH. You apply ammonium sulfate for the nitrogen requirements of the grass. The side effect, the side effect of it is the acidification. The primary effect is not the acidification. It is a nitrogenous fertilizer. It's an ammonium-based fertilizer. It is a nitrogen source. It is not a pH mover. That is an unintended consequence of using it, good or bad. Did bro? Did yeah. he uh, and say where he's where he's from? 
No. Okay. Yeah. All I would say is is this in in most situations, again, painting with a broad brush, I would say no more than three tenths of a pound of nitrogen from ammonium sulfate every three weeks. Point three in three. That's your upper limit. Don't do anything more than that. Any time of the year, you're fine. Just keep it nice and simple. If you're going to spray it or do it. granular applications and you want to do it tight yeah. frequency, point three in three, done. You cannot. No you that. you you will not screw up ever doing that. Now, if you okay. if you want to talk about living life on the on the wild side, what was uh what was the uh, uh, Lou Reed song? Uh, hey, you babe. take a walk on the wild side. Yeah, walk on the wild um, side. Yeah, we got to play clear if the you, mirror with some spray gray. If, yeah, I was gonna say if you if you want to not if you want to lose your head while not giving head, uh, kind of sort of deal. Um, yeah, you know, I could talk to you about some of the some of the rights that that you know we've done on some stupid stuff with Bermuda grass specifically. But um, anyway, there we go. Yeah, just make sure you yeah. put some tape so, on the glory hole so you're, you know, don't get cut. Yeah. Well, tip. So, so here's the you hear uh, that driver. Here's the, other, the <laughs> here's the other fact about EMS applications, in that what I see out of them is literally two to three weeks of in response out of them. If I have not paired that with something like Umax. If I pair it with Umax, then I get a month plus. But then if it is just straight AMS, then, yeah, three weeks, maybe four weeks if I'm lucky, in the right kind of soil, not sand, then, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at that level of in response. But to be honest with you, Matt, to ask, to answer your first question about a 10 round application program on <laughs> oh, we're back to high level or high expectation turf in South Florida or Hawaii, no can do. Cannot. That's just yeah, not. It's, 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 there's going to be a period where things aren't going to be wanging just because of the freaking laws that are put in front of you, right? Like, yeah, and and, and, and like other, like Ray made suggestions there with being able to get away with some micronutrient applications, then yeah, hundred percent you can do that. Now, and and I want to I want to make this point too is if you, Dan, you seem inquisitive enough. I know enough of your history that you do you you don't mind getting weird, right? So, um, <laughs> oh yeah, I fossil around a lot of my lawn. Don't worry about that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and there there. You, you know, we we talk we talk about micronutrients, right? And you can buy them already dissolved in water that's ready to spray, right? You can also get sulfate forms of uh, iron, manganese, magnesium, copper, zinc, copper, 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 and mm-hmm. and dissolve that in water yourself. You 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 can do that too, right? And now you have to understand that has to be applied as a foliar only because as sulfate micronutrients anything that touches your soil is immediately going to react with with carbonates in your soil and become you know plant unavailable you're not going to get the same kind of color response that you would expect to see from a foliar application right so um just understand that that's going to be the way to do it but you know as you're as you're looking to dial this in more and more and uh and 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 establish more control or 
look for a way that is it feasible? Is it easier for me to buy it already pre-made and apply, or is it easier for me to mix my own in twenty-gallon batches and then you know I, I've I've got something ready to go? Now it gets it can, it can get a little complex in that. If you do want to do that, we can have a whole chemistry lesson on long-term storage stability and all that fun stuff because you're going to have to manipulate water pH and all that. Uh, so it uh, but if you on an individual case basis where you want to test something to go along with your ammonium sulfate and you find a dry iron, dry manganese sulfate that you just want to throw, you know, a pinch of it into your tank and then see what happens there too. You can do that as well. You know, the, the, the world is your oyster. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, in, in my opinion, I think that's inherently good. That's, that was a lot of the shit I did, um, that, you know, prompted me to move into into manufacturing and all that shit because it just it became obsessive compulsive, as with anything related to the star. What other questions? I know you've got a shit though. <laughs> well, I got um I got a couple of pictures here. Uh I know Ray and Busy's helped me out with this. Um just a couple of fucked up moments that I had with uh with a client's lawn. Uh, dealing with the sulfenter zone and a certain area that just doesn't seem to want to grow in fast enough. And I got a spot here that's just pretty bad. Um, I don't know if JP can pull up those pictures. See if you guys oh, can help it. me out with this because I, I, I've tried everything that I could. He he could be peeing I'm, right now. Oh. No, I was trying to find. I'm trying to figure out which folder that's in. Is that well, in one of those client in, folders? Yeah, client or is folders. it in the? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I got two lawns in particular. So this one's actually looking a lot better. Um, this was a sulfenter zone incident um, that the mm -hmm. client did not decide to water in. And if you see, uh, from that looks where normal I'm standing, to me for sulfenter zone. Yeah, okay. from where I'm standing all the way down, all that looks mm -hmm. very dried up. Almost to the yeah, but day. how long? How long since your application? Oh, it's been it's been about a month now because I use it as a pre. Ah, uh, you'll be all right. It'll 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 come back. It'll it'll it it'll grow like back. It. it just didn't like it. And oh, now look at this. Now we're now we're cooking with grass somewhere. So these are the areas that just aren't wanting to fill in. Period. Yeah, they don't want to uh, fill in. Period. Huh. No matter. No matter what, Ray, I is do that to a, it. is that a dark green circle up top? Is that what you see in that picture? I'm seeing. Or am, I, am I hallucinating? No, I'm, I'm seeing actually literally black patches, and then I would consider the possibility of large patch and or take all patch. That that's that's what I was wondering. I'm wondering even if that's last year's, like last November, December time frame, it set in, and what you're seeing now is the remnants of it. No, you know what? You know what's ca causing me to think uh, take all patch, Matt. Huh. Oh, take all the, patch. Yeah, the pronounced black spots. Take all patch uh. causes a very distinctive blackening in the right, at grass. the soil surface, right there in the center. It's a soil surface, and then when I actually look at or investigate the turf grass itself, the stolons of the grass are also similarly covered with an abnormal black color, and the roots of the grass are absent because the take-all patch 
disease has literally destroyed the grass roots. Now, Dan, you know when you're dealing with a lawn that is affected by take-all patch? Then this is what I call intensive care because you are now having to grow back grass that has had a significant portion of its root system destroyed. All right? A significant portion of the root system has been destroyed. So the approach to that is such that you literally have to treat this grass almost hydroponically. And when I say hydroponically, that is very frequent foliar nutrient applications to this to this affected area because you put stuff on the soil the grass isn't going to get it anyway because the root system is absent okay. that's why when people try to throw down fertilizer on a, a, a turf affected like this it doesn't do very much because the turf grass no longer has the root system to even pick it up. You're dealing with grass that has okay. no roots right now. And do we need to cover potential treatments for actual take-all patch infection? Well, you should be preventative, right? I mean, It should be preventative, but then if brother here is behind the eight ball and it's already happened uh now mm. we're talking about curative treatments for take all what are we what are we looking we're at for curative about, treatments what? of uh of take all we're looking at either strobilurin fungicides like lexicon or azoxystrobin or the preferred curative is diophanate methyl. Although personally, I'm going to go back to 1980-something and say Benamil. <laughs> that, was, that was good on take-all, but then in present time, diophanate methyl is pretty good. Uh, what you avoid in a case where you have active take-all infection, please do not use propiconazole. Please do not. No. Mm -hmm. And the reason why you do not use propiconazole on an active take-all <clears throat> patch infection is that propiconazole is a couple molecules different from paclobutrazole. And so you do that to a turf grass that has no roots, has its growth compromised, you basically are putting this turf grass under severe growth regulation while you're trying to get it to grow back from a disease condition, which is not going to work very well. So choose fungicides that do not have that kind of plant growth regulating effect, if possible. Because I, I, I still cringe at all of these YouTubers spraying down high doses of propiconazole on their St. Augustine. I'm cringing every time I see it. 
Uh, hang on. Okay, so uh, let me pull this one paper up real quick and see if I can find it. Papers. We're coming in Papers. with bodies of evidence here. Be careful, Demay. Uh, here it's we controversial. Go. Here we go. Really controversial. Uh, Ray, should I, um, yeah, should I scrape up all the dead thatch? Okay, carefully, if you can do so without tearing out the living turf. And there's one more thing that I know you can do for this situation but then the real fix to this is to get after your soil ph and your micronutrient levels because patch diseases increase in severity under conditions of high ph and micronutrient issues specifically a lack of manganese bingo and so and and so the but but then I know University of Florida and Texas A&M have been telling people affected by take-all in their St. Augustine to top dress with peat moss. And the reason why they're telling people to top dress with peat moss is that peat moss has a natural pH of approximately 5. And so that peat moss is going to acidify to a degree but then to me the real fix is break out that bag of yellowstone or tiger soul you need to throw down sulfur in cases where you have take all okay okay <laughs> that'll be so what, 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 no, no, the, 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 what are you coming up okay, with go ahead <laughs> to me i i saw that paper too and uh that's kind of what i'm referencing as well <laughs> so there's 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 several things to unpack your take all is is it's funny is that it's a pretty omnivorous uh, plant pathogen meaning that it attacks a lot of different hosts right cool season and warm season so mm-hmm. it's one that i'm pretty familiar with at least in a cool season sense but the the way that you attack it is very similar so a few things to point out if you're going to go down the route of using uh fungicides here dan and then i also want to echo a couple of things that ray said here so um first okay so here uh, the the this is what i want to uh, tease out here with the uh, peat moss applications right it is a good practice to consider and do i think the one thing that you need to be wary of though is that we need to move that active ingredient down into the root zone in order to effectively treat this disease it's a root-borne disease right so slide down here jpank and get to that first table one thing to be mindful of here so with the the uh, high carbon to nitrogen ratio that you're going to have on peat moss, which is like sky high, one thing you need to be careful with here are these KOC values. This is the affinity for these products to be attracted by carbon, right? We want to have, if we can, choose these that are on the lower side. So you've got some of these like Poracular sturbin insignia, right? If you have a high OM soil, right, that you're having take-all issues on, which isn't typical. Usually you're going to find these on sandier soils that they have the most problems. But if you didn't, uh, this one that's got a higher KOC, the idea that you're going to get this down through uh, you know, a rich carbon or a lot of uh, organic material very easily and down into the root zone could be a problem. All right, So that's a really, really, really like specific and niche thing. I wouldn't worry too much about it, but I just want to point it out. Slide down, JPank. 
And if you go all the way down here to uh, the bottom, keep going, keep going, keep going, right here. Oop, up, 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 up. Keep going right there. Okay. So what they're talking about here, they're looking at uh, Michael Putinol, and they're talking about how um, how much they're watering, and right after, or versus like the timing of, of how quickly they're watering after. The idea here, though, is that what they found is. Anytime that first 15 minutes, it's absolutely critical to water in this fungicide to actually get it down in there. The longer you wait, the less that they're recovering further down into the soil where your root zone actually is. So keep that in mind. High carrier volume, right? Two gallons or more if you possibly can. And then watered in immediately, you know, up to about a quarter of an inch to get that stuff down in there. Okay. So a couple things to keep in mind there. The manganese, I'm going to, uh, I'll stress that. That's a really important thing. I don't know about St. Aug. I do know that Rutgers has done an absolute shit ton of work on cool season grass and that there's no definitive answer, but uh, what they can tell you is that generally speaking, about 55 parts per million on a Malik 3 of manganese is sort of the critical level that they see uh, more infections than not, right? So 55 ppm on a Malik 3, so keep that in mind. And then the last thing is the soil pH is so critical. I mean, again, if we look at incidence, it's... Sounds bunk, but it's true. The, the that critical level, right, of like seven one seven two is sort of like the break even point on this. If I remember in the record stuff recently, uh, if mm-hmm. you do a, a Google search, I and if you want to dive into literature, just search for the Rutgers turf grass proceedings. They do it's like their big meeting that they do every year at the research uh, station out there, and they've got all kinds of uh, basic and applied research that they do. And just search for take all Rutgers turf grass proceedings. It'll be a large document. You'll have to comb through it, probably do a control F or a find feature and dive through that. But man, there's a ton of good information in there about fungicide efficacy, all sorts of different things. But the things that you need to take away from this conversation are, number one, choosing the correct fungicide, right, and getting on a preventative program. That preventative program is going to look like something early spring and about every 30 days. It's not going to be cheap, but it should be very effective as long as you can stick with it, keep doing it. With those applications, absolutely make sure that you have high carrier volume, right? Two gallons or better, all right, coming out. Large droplet size so that you can get it to roll off the leaf and then irrigate in just as soon as you possibly can, up to about a quarter inch. You can overdo it. You don't want to underdo it. Just get it wet enough and you'll be good to go, all right? And then finally, in the meantime, right, the things that you can work on outside of this, Ray's idea of using the sulfur would be great, you know, to work down this pH. You're going to see a, 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 a huge reduction right? And the, and the potential incidence of it by reducing pH. And finally, manganese is really paying attention to that. I wouldn't go overboard and be like applying manganese every single time that you apply micronutrients and things like that, but just monitor it, right? And see what you can do there. All right. Actually, That's all I guys, okay. what I, what I can got tell it. you about the manganese application is it's not about applying a megadose of it versus incorporating it into your program and all right and speaking to carrier volumes guys the take-all plague is literally one of the reasons why i had to develop alternate spray equipment Mm. because in the 1990s i started getting seashore pespalum turf with take all right and so i was treating those areas at 
10 to 20 gallons of carrier per thousand square foot. Mm. And they were put up. So I had, so I had to, (laughs) so I had to get spray equipment that was capable of running a high spray volume and apply it evenly. So Trident. Okay, Trident at five gallons per minute. That's how, and and so, because I can tell you that there's a big difference in efficacy between applying thiophany nestle at a half a gallon per thousand square foot versus 20 gallons per minute per thousand. Huge difference in efficacy. You ever put a Hitachi wand on the crotch of a lawn and watch what happens? That's what happens when Ray gets out there. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> squirt, in- squirt. instead of me plugging that thing in to 120, bring on the 443 phase. Let's go. <laughs> Ray's taken out sidewalk with that thing before. Yeah, yeah. but then, uh, so what other question do you have, uh, Dan? <laughs> No, um, other than that, the sulfentra zone damage, I guess, keep mowing, keep watering, let it grow in, get it nice and green. That type of grass, I should not fafo around and put any type of AMS at, at that point, right? Actually, you should. By the way you that it looks, be- I should. Yeah, no, okay, because Dan, you know. You, you wouldn't stop when... fertilizing it for, for that okay, reason. Okay, Dan, you know when there's no, no, some kind I know, of. Her- AMS. You know, when there's okay. some kind of a, a herbicide. Mess up. What one of my strategies is is if I've done some kind of a burn in return application on a lawn, I make darn sure that the lawn is well fed so that it grows enough such that all those burn leaf tips get cut back off. Okay, you know. You know, you make the grass grow up, and then all those burned leaf tips get cut back off. People stop seeing it, and you're no longer in trouble. So that is some. So you know, if you had a little, you know, sulfentrazone or dismiss accident, that would be the exact candidate for what Ryan uh, two and a half pounds of AMS uh, broadcast as a granule and then watered in. Would you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Hold because the objective is is to get that grass to generate some growth, so that the damaged areas above can get clipped off, and the only thing that's remaining is greener and healthier growth, and then you're no longer in trouble. But of course. Uh, I understand the backstory to this uh, incident in that you told people that they needed to water that in and they let it sit for several days before watering it in. And the St. Augustine reacted adversely because, by the way, speaking of watering in applications, typically what happens to me is that I spray the day before. The irrigation is set to come on the next morning. 
That's usually how I can plan it. However, the exception to me letting the irrigation take care of an application is if I'm applying something like a soil-borne fungicide, like say I'm applying that exterus fungicide nematicide or I'm applying something for take-all patch, then that doesn't apply and I'm and when possible, if I'm not spraying at high volume, I am spraying ahead of a running irrigation system so that as I'm applying, it does not have time to dry on the grass and it immediately gets watered in, Dan. Because, you know, when you're treating take-all patch, as that report that Ryan DeMay posted uh, a few minutes ago, if you let your fungicide application dry on the grass, the amount of fungicide that can then be subsequently watered in down to the root zone where that fun fungicide needs to be diminishes greatly. Because what happens then, if you let it dry on the grass, is you get massive amounts of foliar absorption. Because a lot of these fungicides are technically intended for diseases such as dollar spot, leaf spot, rust, powdery mildew, and dollar spot, right? If I haven't mentioned dollar spot already. So they're intended to be rapidly absorbed by leaf tissues. So if you let it dry on the grass, then the leaves take up all of the fungicide and you don't get any going, to, going down to the roots. So that's some, something to consider when you are going to treat a lawn for take-all patch is watering in and spray volume. Okay? It's, it's yep. just... Uh, I got it. It's just, some, it's just something that the disease, this take-all patch disease is literally living in the soil in the lawn. That's what's happening, okay? That disease is living in the soil. It then colonizes the roots of the St. Augustine, and then it just wipes out the roots. That is what's happening, because I would guess that, you know what your other confirmation that this may, that this could be take-all patch in that you know, picture that you showed us where there's black spots forming in the turf is if you can pull up stolons from that lawn and you don't see any roots on that lawn and what roots that you do see on those stolons are black, that is a potential very troubling sign because, you know, when I'm out in the field and I see that kind of damage occurring in the turf grass, the first thing I do is I poke around and I lift up some stolons. And if I see blackening, I start to suspect take-all patch. And I start treating that lawn accordingly. Yeah, that, that is something that I do and I did not do in this case. So uh, because I just did not think it was take-all. But uh, now that you pointed it out to me, it's something that I definitely have to address like, this weekend, I'm not waiting. 
Okay. Good weekend. man. Yeah, good man. I mean, right, because I, I would probably say that, uh, yeah, you look at your micronutrient levels, you look at your pH, and the fungicides, as I said, the good ones include azoxystrobin, uh, thiophanate methyl, and I saw on that research report that another potential fungicide that you can use is microbutanol. Because microbutanol is special among the DMI fungicides in that that has the lowest amount of growth regulating effect on most grasses. Yeah. In other words, Which, uh, uh, by the way, Ryan, if, if you could send me that in the do. Discord, that'd be great. I sent it to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. Thanks. It's, uh, yeah, because later on, I've su successfully used Eagle 20 EW for treatment of the uh, patch diseases. I have done it. But that is following the yeah. rules of apply in high spray volumes and then irrigate in further. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Eagle was always in my uh in my tool case. Okay. Eagle's definitely and, always in my tool case. And now currently and I know 336F. Yeah, and here's the good thing about microbutanol. My understanding is that the use rate on that is not particularly high either. It's a pretty low use rate product. And it's very well tolerated by the turf grass versus propiconazole. I mean, because in because if you were to look at your propiconazole labeling, I see a specific restriction or limitation on that fungicide, especially on get this one, Matt, Bermuda grass and golf turf in high temperatures. Mm. There's a specific restriction. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess it's because it's too oh, much for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is. We're rolling on 11 o'clock. We're going to have to get to the after show. Uh, do you have any final comments, Dan the Man? Uh, no, I do not. It was great hanging with you guys. It's always fun to jump on and learn from you all. And uh, uh, Ryan... I would like to hear your voice just a little bit more next time. If there is a <laughs> dude, I'm so, a sexy listen, voice. When it comes to St. Aug, when it comes to St. Aug, dude, I, know, I, I know. sit in the dumb seat and I just shut the fuck up and listen. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. listen, sometimes on this show, it, you got to speak a lot and you got to take the floor and sometimes you got to sit back and take your medicine. And boy, howdy, I did that tonight. <laughs> it, it, well, I I, I didn't mean for that to happen, Ryan. Because uh, no, 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 no. It's know, okay. I, it's okay. I I, I, I love your voice. We were both in I, I kind of felt no. I I felt bad because it's like Ryan was just uh, you know sitting sitting there. So I felt so bad. It's like oh damn it! I I hogged the floor. <laughs> no, 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 no. You have no, experience with this. We don't. Let me, let me let me let me show you this picture real quick. I got to do this for J Pink. This is what I think I would look like. Matt's not going to know this because he doesn't watch movies anymore. But I really feel like if I was in Florida, I would look like this. I mean, right here. 
Pizza the Hut, <laughs> Spaceballs. Yeah, you're right. All right, boy, oh, yeah. I don't. Mow, mowing in over 100 degree temperatures and humidity. No thanks. That's how I no feel. Thanks. All right, let's get to the action. Uh, show. Boys, don't I talk, do have a talk. shout out I want to oh. give to oh. everybody out there. I know you guys like to promote your Patreon, and I want to tell everybody that I know who is possibly on the show tonight and quiet as fuck. Guys, you always have a lot of long questions. Please join the Patreon. You get the Discord. It's like a long forum with a lot of FAFO moments, but you get a lot of good information from these guys, and it's it just costs a fucking a fucking monster drink per month if you want to put it like that. So <laughs> join that Patreon list, man. There's no reason not to. For a monster drink a month, you get all the cocaine rank that you could possibly want. Funny how that oh, works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Let's do right, it after y'all. show. Bye. All right. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs>